Well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Bless this time. Father, just give us uh, wisdom, Lord, as we come tonight. Father, as we seek to be a witness when we go home. Father, we just believe that Thanksgiving is going to be a time of just precious uh, witness and soul winning and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, I find this. That a lot of families, they go home and they eat and then they get into fights. I call those people hillbillies. Hillbillies, Thanksgiving, Christmas is, is a family brawl or a family fight or, or something like that. And, and, that's, and that's too bad and that's not good. But, but I will say this, that it doesn't have to be that way. Amen? You know, I, I'm just so thankful our family, we get together, we pray, we, we eat together, we fellowship, we talk the word and... And our family's constantly talking the word and talking. We talk about the Bible and the two things that you're not supposed to talk about is religion and politics. That's all we talk about at our house. And, uh, but everybody gets along just fine in, because everybody's saved and everybody's a, a conservative. And so we, we just have a great time together. Amen? And God wants, you to be, wants your family to be blessed. He wants you to be in one accord and he wants you to have a good time. And he wants any stragglers who aren't saved yet to get saved. Amen? And, you know, there's different ways to lead people. Like I said, our family, we, I, I'll never forget that. It was a very special season. It was very exciting. It's a very unique time for my family. I mean, we were lost. And I can remember watching The Late Great Planet Earth. How many remember that movie? Nobody? Does anybody remember The Late Great Planet Earth? That, that dates you really bad. And that was Al Lindsay. Hal Lindsay. And, uh, man, that, that got my attention. And, you know, it, it's, it's really true. You, uh, with your family, you're going to have to not necessarily tell them how sinful they are. Because how many of you know that generally does, that type of soul, witness, soul winning doesn't work with your family? So here's something that I always like to just remind us of. In 1 Peter 3, it says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be one. And that's when you win their soul. That's not when their spirit gets born again. Do you know you have to win people's soul before you get their spirit birthed or born again? See, winsome speech can win their soul. But being born again comes from the word. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, even as the word of God which liveth and abideth forever, First Peter 1, 23. We know that when somebody gets born again, it's their spirit being recreated by God after they repent and make Jesus Lord. But you win them, and I, I, I can stay up here. That's fine. But I'll, I'll use it, but then I, don't, I might go too long. It's, I need the big clock right there so to get us all out of here by 8. Because uh, I said we we're going to have a short service, an abbreviated service. But, you know, I believe this that different people's souls get one different way. How many of you know men like their wives to submit to them? Amen. A few amens on that. How many men like your, your wife to be submissive? Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that you have the right to control them or do mean things. And, but, you know, this right here, this is telling wives, uh, you know, if, and I don't think we have any wives with, with unsaved husbands. But you may have a sister whose husband is not saved, and you may need to tell her some things. Amen? Amen. And it, be, it says, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won. Not be saved, but be won over. You know, you're going to have to win people over before they're going to get saved and listen to you. 
and let the word of God change their heart and cause them to get born again? How many of you know soul winning is an Old Testament word? How many of you know nobody was born again in the Old Testament? It's not until the New Testament that we get born again. And so we win their soul. In the Old Testament, you won their souls so they look forward to the Messiah to come. And then they would just get in covenant with, with Yahweh and they would believe in the sacrificial system which represented Jesus who was to come, which the, was the faith that rec, was reckoned unto them as righteousness. Now, they weren't born again yet, but it was reckoned it got them in so that when Jesus went down and preached in the center of the earth, like it says in First Peter, those are ones disobedient in the days of Noah. And then they could be born again and led captivity captive and he ascended and gave gifts to men and a whole host came up out of there and... And, and, but, but we got to win people's souls. And so you're gonna, not going to win their souls by not being nice to them. You're not going to win their souls by arguing with them. But you can win their soul by answering their questions. Because they get so curious as to why you're so nice and why your life is getting so blessed and why you're happy and you get along with your family. They'll start asking questions. See, now that's real soul winning. That's real influence. See, this is why it says, and you wives being subjects in your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also, without the word, be won by the lifestyle, or conversation is the old King James word, by the lifestyle of the wives. Your lifestyle will get more people saved than your preaching will when it comes to family. Now, not necessarily so much strangers that need to know that they're, you know, there's a lot of diff- there's different ways, you know. Proud people need the law to humble them. Humble people need to know the love of God to uplift them. Family needs to know your love and uh, your lifestyle, your love towards them and, and the authenticity of your character as a Christian. That's what they're interested in. Is this thing real? And this says, while they behold your chaste conversation or your self-control of your lifestyle, Coupled with fear, and that's not like fear, fear, but that's the fear of the Lord. That's reverence. So those things chase and or self-control, your lifestyle, and your reverence for God. Whose adorning let it not be with outward adorning of plating of the hair and wearing of gold and putting on of apparel, but with the hidden, hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner of old time, the holy women also trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well, and you're not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, and giving honor unto the wife. Now, likewise. See, now there's three places where, there's two places where it says likewise. It starts clear over there in 1 Peter 2 where it says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only the good and gentle, but also the forward. And then the narrative goes on, and the chapter distinctions are just man-made. You've got to remember that. Then you get over to, and likewise, wise be in subjection in verse 1, 1 Peter 1, excuse me, 1 Peter 3, 1. It says, likewise, so that means like those who are subject to their masters. And then in verse 7 it says, and likewise, how many of you know it says likewise? Those are two comparisons to the first thing. Likewise, you wives. Likewise, you husbands. Likewise, like what? Like the servants that are subject. 
And it says, and likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. And how do you give honor to the wife? You know, men like wives to be submissive and to honor them. And you give honor to the wife by treating her uh, in a way that shows your love and your cherishing and you honor her by uh, doing things for her and different things like that. So there's different ways that women get honored. Your husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. So in both things, one is in subjection and the other one is showing honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together. In other words, both of you getting saved. Heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Amen. And then having compassion on one another, and love as brethren, be pitiful and courteous, not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and seek good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Let his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good to him and seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Amen. So, you know, when it comes to family, we're, we're praying for them. We're going to get out here by eight. And uh, you need to show honor. You need to be in subjection. You need to bless one another. And that's how we saw our family of nine all come to the Lord. Now let's go to another scripture. I'm going to go back and we're going to look at another one. Prodigals. Now prodigals, let's say you got a prodigal that needs to come home and get not saved, but just rededicated to the Lord. The father, as you can see, uh, he allows the son to go. And it says here uh, in verse 15, I mean, chapter 15 of Luke 11, verse, and he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey to a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all their arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. How many of you know God, if you get rebellious, if your children get rebellious, all of a sudden they'll run out of money. All of a sudden they'll be in an uncomfortable place. And God leave and not let other people give to him. And no man gave unto him. Everybody say, and no man gave unto him. God will start drying everything up. God will make it so nobody's giving to him. Probably nobody's nice to him. Just maybe the hogs, you know, with him or whatever. And, uh, but God doesn't want him to have a good time. I mean, God doesn't want him to be blessed. God doesn't want him to have care packages. God doesn't want you to subsidize their rebellion. God doesn't want them to be happy. God doesn't want them to be in a place where they can stay there very long, but they can't stand to get out of there. Somebody say amen. So now when it comes to prodigals, now I'm gonna, this is going to sound funny. You've got to be nice to your family that's not saved, your husband, your wife that's not saved, but your prodigal, you're not supposed to be nice. <laughs> 
Pastor Bill, that, that sounds like heresy. Well, you wait till they turn around, then you'd be really nice. So it gets really quiet when you talk like that. How many of you know whom the Lord loves, he chastens? Did you know we can interfere with God's chastening? Did you know we can circumvent God's chastening? And it'll just prolong them getting saved. Well, I mean, getting rededicated. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying you starve them and, and, and you, 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 know, you necessarily have to always cut everybody off from everything. But, but let them feel a little pain. Let God do his work of chastening. How many of you know? Now, doesn't that sound a lot different than 1 Peter 1? How many of you know that sounds really different? That's because we got to rightly divide the word truth, and there's different ways that we get different people saved. Somebody say amen. There's different ways that we get people saved. How many of you know? Now, and that's just another one. Now, let's go to another. Let's go to Acts 8. Acts 8 is a seeker. Now, we're talking about a, a lost person who doesn't know anything, but he already has a desire to know God. He already has a desire to know God, and they're coming. I'm just showing you some different, different things. You might have some relatives that are like this. You might have some relatives that are like a spouse or family member, and you're going to have to be kind, and you're going to have to be respectful. You're going to have to honor them and win them without the word. You don't want to preach to them. Then you're going to have some that might be a prodigal that... You feel really bad. You want to go fix it. You want to go do it for him. But, but allow God to discipline him a little bit. And then you've got people that, like in Acts, the eighth chapter here, uh, that doesn't mean that you ever quit loving them. Can I get an amen? amen? You don't ever quit loving the prodigal. You just allow God's discipline and chastening to have its effect. And then there's, there's ones like this. And we'll go to Acts, eighth chapter. And when they, verse 25, and when they had testify and preach the word of the Lord and return to Jerusalem and preach the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is in desert. And he arose and he went, and behold, a man, an Ethiopian eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He's a seeker was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Isaiah the prophet. He's, he's a guy, he's not, he's a, he's not a Jew, he, he's not one of God's people, and he's reading the Bible. Well, right there, you know, that's a person that's seeking. You'll, you'll find your relatives, there may be somebody who's really honestly seeking. And man, those are the easy ones. Those are the ones that are just ripe and ready to pick. And if you think somebody's seeking, you need to immediately talk to them about Jesus, tell them the gospel, and get them saved. Don't mess around. And, this, and I look at this. And he returned sitting in his chariot, and he read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. And Philip ran thither. He ran thither and heard him read prophet Isaiah and said, Understand us what thou hast readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? How shall they preach? How should they hear without a preacher says? Over there in Romans 10. And he said, and how can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him in the place of the scriptures. And, and it, you know, he started asking questions, and Philip answered his questions. And then it comes to verse 34, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet, 
of this, of himself or some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And they went down in the way and came unto a certain water. And we all know the story. He says, is there any reason why I can't be baptized? He says, none at all. He says, if you only believe and receive him, you can be baptized. And he baptized him. So now you're going to have people that are ready. Amen? Amen. And, and so there, there are people who are humble, and they just need to know the word of God. They need to know that that was Jesus. Jesus loved him. He laid down his life. Because that's really talking about the goodness of God. The goodness of God in Isaiah 53 is about how Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He chastised him, our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. And each one has turned into his own way. And the Lord, you know, it goes on. It talks about the Lord has laid upon him the iniquities of us all. And it goes on and talks about everything that Jesus did. I mean, you know, that's the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. And then there are some people that are just proud people. And, and sometimes they just need to be rebuked. And uh, we, we need to, and they need the law of God. And they need for people uh, to speak to them. And, you know, I, I, this, is, this is an amazing one over in Acts, the 13th chapter. And it says this, and I'm just going to begin there. And when they, verse 6, and when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bargesus which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who was called Barnabas and Saul, and desired to hear the word of God. And then Elamias the sorcerer, for his name by interpretation withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. And then Saul, who also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. He said, O full of all subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell upon him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him to the hand. And then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed. <laughs> How many of you know some need the fear of the Lord in their life? You know, you, you see Paul turn around, rebuke him, and smite him, and make him blind. And this sorcerer, who everybody thinks is the big power of God, goes around. He's blind now. I'd say, well, you know, I, I think I'll get saved. <laughs> some by fear and some by compassion, Jude says. Amen. So he was astonished. The deputy, when he saw what was done, he believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Amen. Well, we're out of time. But so, just so I, we'll do a quick review. There's some people in, in your life that... Uh, their family, and you, you're, you're not, you don't even try to preach to them. Just love them. Just show your chaste lifestyle or your self-control and the good life that you live and uh, your love for the Lord and your love for them. And that's generally how you get family saved. Generally a prodigal. Uh, you, you love them, but you, you don't make it easy on them. You let God do his chastening work on them. And that's the hardest one. And then some that are seeking you just go and tell them about the goodness of God. Some are saved, and it says, you know, repentance comes by the goodness of God. People turn to repentance. Excuse me. That's in Romans. It says that. Then it says some are by sorrow come to repentance, or the fear of the Lord. Some by fear. Man, I tell you what, when that, when that uh, he was some, what, what kind of a, he was some type of a magistrate. He was a deputy. When he saw what was done, believed. <laughs> 
I mean, just like immediately, I, I believe. And being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord, when he saw that, some by fear, some by mercy. So just know this, ask the Lord. Paul prayed that a door of utterance would be open. Well, we'll just close. I'll just read this, and, and we'll close on this scripture. And then we're going to close uh, in prayer. But look what this says. It's over in Colossians. This is a powerful. You hear me quote this all the time because it's such a great scripture. It says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And continue in prayer. Watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Now, we're going to believe. How many are believing for a door of utterance to open up this weekend? Now, you're home with your family. Believe for a door of utterance. I always, I always believe, say, God, make me just aware, just in case somebody's ready. Continue in prayer with all, watch, and the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Well, maybe I ought to make it so I ought to speak mercy to one person. Maybe I ought to... Mercy, and then the other person with fear, and another person with my chase conversation, another person allowing God to, to chasten them, or, or whatever it may be, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walking in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Let's stand up.